Louisiana shit. Murder on the beat. Something for y'all to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I know shorty and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man last year. All right, live once again, folks, in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome to How You Living, live from the Chess Tower in Seattle's best neighborhood so far, Greenwood, host of us in the Million Dollar Studios. It is How You Living, the show where Chaz and I try and figure out how you living. And I ask him first, Chaz, how are you living? You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're recording this on 420 Eve. So that is uh, very interesting that we were recording it at that time because... Uh, it's a holiday for people. Right. Chuck Schumer said that he was going to put forth some uh, legislation about it to legalize or, no, decriminalize it. And uh, I was kind of like, you know... Wrong. Wrong, no. Donald Trump thinks it's wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, He's been talking to Jeff Sessions. Uh, of and all Chaz, the last names. What's up? Yeah, that's what Chaz says to it. Uh, that's his truth, folks, though. We are here on the eve of the stoner holiday. Also, sadly, Hitler's birthday. Rest yeah. in peace. Or not. No. <laughs> fuck him. He's like the one dead person you can say, like, fuck off. Like, don't rest in peace. Is that a thing? Don't rest in peace? Can we say drip? Drip. <laughs> Instead of R.I.P. Rip. Uh, drip. Yo, don't rest Hashtag drip. Hashtag drip. Wow. Wow. There you go, folks. Boom, no, boom, no, boom. That's the hashtag that boom, we got to get trending. Yeah. So this is how you use it. Welcome to the drip cast, folks. Oh, what? Right. <laughs> Where we just talk about for an hour people we're glad that are dead. It's your man, glad you're dead, Chaz, live on the two. No. All right. No, this, oh is this is how you live in. This is how you live in. A totally different podcast. Trying to be woke, more, more woke than dead. That was our, <laughs> that was our motto. More woke than dead. Uh, <laughs> we're here once again, breathing in the Chaz Tower. Uh, maybe some paint fumes. Maybe they're, uh, maybe they're they're painting the <coughs> the walls out in the hallway of the Chaz Towers, and uh, and it's confusing us on our typical angle here, which is to go into a segment where we look back at the shows mm-hmm. we've already done, we've already talked about, normally not Hitler, and it's a segment we call Callbacks. Callbacks. Or in a longer form. Callbacks. Yeah. On the Callbacks. Yeah. Callbacks. That's right, Callbacks. The theme song, Nine Seconds. Uh, and here we are to call back, uh, Chaz, what's on your mind? Cause there's a lot going on this week that we can get into in the cast, but what set you off on something we've talked about before? Uh, definitely talking about weed legalization, um, uh, that we talked about before and, and just like seeing that, uh, Schumer is bringing up something tomorrow on 420 to decriminalize it. And also that there are a bunch of senators and people who are running, who got through uh, their primaries who support it. So, And it's, it, is it his goal to legalize like on the national scale? Is that kind of the angle that he's taking with that legislation? Or mm-hmm. Okay. So instead of the state-by-state technique that has been done in the, in the past or currently, 
and and that I mean, obviously, if it's a thing that people really believe in, that's the that's the place to eventually do it is mm-hmm. at the federal level. Make sure, and it's definitely one of the issues that the states themselves uh, are having trouble, even if they choose to and or render it illegal or legal by having it designated at the federal level really complicates the whole issue. So I could see, uh, I could see some definite, uh, bipartisan, uh, support for that to some degree uh, in certain States. I mean, we did see Gorsuch, uh, side with liberals recently Mm. as a callback to our Supreme court, uh, discussion a few uh, months ago back when Gorsuch got approved and, uh, and he voted with the Dems on, um, Continuing some of the protections for "quote unquote" illegal immigrants. Oh yeah. As far as ones that hadn't com- con- been convicted of any severe crimes, mm-hmm. that they could still be held in the state and kind of like still work their way towards citizenship instead of immediate de- deportation. Mm-hmm. Possibly still ending up deported after like if they you know didn't fit into the legal system or whatever. Uh, but ultimately not just doing these r- kind of quasi-irrational deportations that we've kind of seen been conducted. And, it, I mean, it's really just rational, uh, you know, judicial decision-making, uh, which is what we want from any candidate for the Supreme Court, but it is good to see it from a quote-unquote conservative selection. That's true. So, uh, yeah. call back to the Gorsuch. And I don't think anyone on the left was saying Gorsuch doesn't deserve the nomination. They actually all kind of supported it. They were just saying the guy that they picked six months prior, who never got looked at, deserved the actual nod. And so it was never a knock on Gorsuch as as a judicial member or even as a Supreme Court nominee. It was just the fact that he was taking the place of one that had already been nominated. Yeah, I remember when he was out there, he was a bit of a wild card. Like, it, it was basically the pundits and everything were saying that uh, Trump picked him in order to be a candidate that would look very much like strong centrist Republican values. Uh, but they were saying he might be a little bit of a uh, wild card because he was from Denver, and Denver has done a lot of progressive things that are more on the liberal side, even with a him being a Republican judge there. So yeah. it was interesting how those two influences would come together, and it was kind of like, well, he might he might be like bleeding a little purple, but bleeding a little red, depending on the instance. So yeah, and I mean, looking forward, we'll see uh, where he actually lies on the actual scale you know going forward he could he could make some incredibly uh you know right-leaning decision making that we could be like well that just goes with the the Mm -hmm. territory so you know still yet to be determined uh and uh and you know so between that and the uh you know kind of states we're in it feels feels like we can go into the episode uh, uh yeah, I'm not even going to guess the number I've been we've been so busy. It's got to be like 54, maybe it's 53, it's somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh welcome to the mid 50s guys. Uh congratulations, we've made it uh just over a year's time and uh a worth of episodes. There's 52 weeks in a year. We take a few breaks. Uh but uh we're here now in the episode and uh kind of first on the plate in front of us is like we have we have a devolving Syria where we have to talk about uh, chemical weapon use and mm-hmm. and the responses of their use. We have a North Korea system where it may or may not be on the rise of a diplomatic solution to a militarized zone since the 1950s. Uh, we have um, 
kind of the current economic struggle that America continues to fight, uh, both on the international front with these uh, kind of state-mandated tariffs that is trying to be handed down by Trump, and also um, just kind of the nature of our political landscape given the the digital age and you have a president that hates some tech companies and doesn't talk about others. You know, he's throwing shade at Amazon. No, oh, because of Jeff Bezos and, and the Washington Post. Right. And then at the same time, you know, uh, we have Facebook being grilled on Congress about how they leak data to different agencies without giving the uh, express consent to or from their users. Yep, the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal. Yeah, so so we have a lot we have a lot kind of like circling around and you know, we're not going to get too in depth into everything. So, uh, you know, just as we usually do, we're going to take a few moments to take a few bites out of the uh kind of world political spectrum that we get an opportunity. The state of America of sorts. Yeah, so so starting with uh starting with the homeland, we like we like to go with uh our our state of America in a, a little segment within it as well. And uh let's start us off what's going on in the world of politics or actually in the nation of American politics. Chaz, that's got your goat this week. Um, and one interesting thing that happened is the little bit of the Scott Pruitt uh, scandal. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Scott Pruitt because of what he's doing at the EPA and learning that he he's doing damage to the EPA, but it isn't as drastic and as wild of damage that he we thought he might get away with. It's pretty in step with what any Republican candidate that was looking to dial back uh, regulations to have new jobs and allow for different things that they kind of used as their crux of what was holding them back regulations wise. Right. He he's he's not doing as much damage as you would think as we might like hype it up. And these scandals that he's going on by like paying away market under market value for an apartment for extravagant spending for like a phone booth that's bulletproof needing to have armed escorts everywhere they go and all that it's it's interesting to see what'll come of it if it'll just be kind of like you know a string in the breeze or something we can call back to in a later episode and go oh okay yeah and i mean i'm always worried about what's in the pipeline with this trump presidency because it's like okay pruitt's been kind of a prick and like yeah he's you know, basically deconstructing the EPA from within. But, you know, I'm almost worried, like, what's even a worse pick that Trump could throw at us to, like, head this organization? And given the, like, nature of how the Russian debacle is not really sticking to the wall, I'm even worried about any type of true uh, conflict with this administration actually getting any traction with the American people. You know, like it—it it feels like there's a, only a certain pub, a percentage of the public that's paying attention to how close this administration was with Russia before the campaign, during the campaign, and now post-campaign. Despite all, you know, oh, we're throwing out diplomats and all these things they're doing. There's something clearly going on between at least the Trump organization and the Kremlin. Okay. And uh, and the fact that you know the the Mueller investigation continues to poke and prod. We had the investigation into Trump's lawyer, who's now you know given up essentially enough evidence to start uh, probably looking at him and the nature of businesses and things that he conducted that were either misleading, inaccurate, or illegal. And moving on from there, clearly it's only a hop and a skip 
mm-hmm. without even a jump to get to Trump. And uh, and we and you know with that heat on, how close are we to a Mueller being fired? I mean, does Rovenstein need to be fired to have him be fired? And so with all that kind of pressure around the administration, the Pruitt thing almost feels like this distraction technique of kind of like sick the dogs on him. Look at what's going on here. Oh, we're gonna replace that, and then this Russian kind of continues his meddling continues as well mm-hmm. and and ultimately you know a, given the right headline a rubenstein firing could could miss some of the uh kind of target demographics as far as publicity and once rubenstein goes down mueller's gone everyone knows that so he's kind of the buffer between trump and firing mueller is the director himself and so uh where that lies where we're going to be you know, um, and I think only a very few select people in Trump's inner circle are telling him not to fire them based on the backlash that will occur. And I think that's the only reason we haven't seen it done yet. Yeah, it's a game of chicken. Yeah, it's definitely a political game of chicken. And how close do you think the president needs to get before he'll swerve out of the way? Because I don't believe that Donald Trump will allow it to crash. Right. And I see, I can kind of see it like, you know, how you're at the beginning of a Final Destination movie and they kind of show you like the outset of like where the cars are laid out. They introduce you to the people who are the main people and everything. You like, know, I feel you, like you know that there. truck is going to, that truck's going to be involved somehow. Yeah. You're like, they keep flashing to that semi in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. That's where I feel we're at right now with the whole uh, Mueller investigation. Like, we're starting to see. We're starting to see the setup of the scene. Yeah, the landscaping ladder is just too loose on that car ahead of us. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just not quite settled down, and it's gonna come through the windshield. And <laughs> you know, does Asian too. Yeah, and being a guy from Philadelphia, uh, another thing that happened this week that we have to kind of touch on was the emergency landing of the Southwest flight in Philadelphia. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Uh, in which case where a woman, uh, a bank executive from Wells Fargo, lost her life, um, originally declared from um, cardiac arrest, but later Whoa. described as blunt force trauma after being sucked out the window partially. Yeah, and so uh, they managed to land the aircraft with only the one fatality Ooh. and very limited injuries uh, otherwise. Um, and, uh, and it's just kind of bringing in what it, what it ended up being, according to the preliminary investigation is engine fatigue of one blade that somehow rattled around in the cage of the, uh, of the aircraft. And it took off this piece that's on the front of the engine. Uh, it's like a coupler essentially. Mm. And it, 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 it by getting that blade struck against it enough times, it broke apart, and pieces of that went through the fuselage of the aircraft, oh, which ended up breaking the seal. The window came out. The woman almost went out. She was badly hurt on the outside. A, a volunteer firefighter or a off-duty firefighter <coughs> managed to struggle against the pressure and got her back in, but it was kind of like too late. And and it's just another um, situation that kind of has. The FAA having to take a pause. I mean, more airplanes are in the air than ever have been before. More flights are taking place every day than ever have been before. And this particular flight, Southwest being the carrier and the 737 being the jet, are both the safest carrier of all time. They have a 51-year flight history without any crashes or fatalities until until this event. 
and they have uh, they only fly 737s, which is the most flown airplane and the safest airplane. It's had the fewest wrecks per flight of any airplane model of all time. Mm-hmm. And so we're getting to a point where flying just happens so often Mm-hmm. that just the fatigue on the airplanes alone is going to have to be looked at from a more like rigid standpoint. And you already have a fewer number of machinists, fewer numbers of mechanics. Mm. You have so many, there's just not enough personnel and you already have flights getting delayed left and right. So this is kind of just another piece in that puzzle. That's going to delay more flights due to safety. I mean, obviously if it saves lives, it's important, but it's kind of this bigger system than people are willing to kind of look at and and it's starting it's starting to kind of make the simple systems of our life that are really complicated but have been simplified over time kind of start to come out again because now we're starting to see well yeah i don't want to be on the flight that does that you know oh like, yeah of course not like that's not worth a 98 dollar seat so. <laughs> So, so it's it's an interesting kind of moment, and it also just involved Philadelphia again. Uh, and then, of course, Philadelphia was also in the news this week uh, due to two African-American men oh, yeah. being arrested while waiting for a job-style interview-slash-meeting uh, that they couldn't even last eight minutes before authorities arrived, and they were in handcuffs within ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and so... Uh, essentially they didn't buy anything at one point. One of the guys asked to use the bathroom and that set off a chain of events that according to Starbucks policy, the requirement to be a customer meshed with racial profiling, Mm -hmm. racial biases. Oh, of course. There's an understanding that certain meetup groups online and such use Starbucks as a, uh, location and Starbucks has like applauded those groups for that. And multiple times those groups have said out loud that like, yeah, eight or nine people will show up and only three or four will buy coffee, but we're there and we're enjoying the atmosphere. And so it's clear that Starbucks doesn't require everybody mm-hmm. to be a paying customer to be considered a Starbucks customer. So there's a lot of kind of profiling bias and, and policy negotiation going on there. And once again, in the fair city of uh, brotherly love. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon for there's a lot of places and <laughs> especially when you grow up in Philadelphia, you know what places are a little bit more lenient with uh, how they let you into places. And some places are a little bit more stringent on how who they let into places. And it's usually based on the neighborhood that they're in. So even here in Seattle, like almost every place downtown, if you want to use a bathroom down there, they're going to be like, you have to pay. Or something like that, but other places like over at Fred Meyer, they don't have any locks on it, but the Safeway does, right? And there's a reason for that. So, like, it, we know, like, when we go into places like that, that that has a possibility of happening. So that wasn't surprising to us in the slightest that it happened. Um, and uh, and then we did like the fact that there were some people there asking, like, what did they do? Right. What did they do? And the answer that was repeatedly said was nothing by witnesses. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They were just sitting there. And basically, if you take the woman who says, all right, they're in here. And maybe if it has a lock. What I'm saying is that like if you're that woman and you think you're in a bad neighborhood and you see these two guys here just loitering and you're a little you feel a little bit unsafe. You let all like that biases come in and then say that. Yeah. I can see how that happened. But I do like the fact that Starbucks quickly said that 
They're taking every single employee to have a day off to do implicit bias training. Right. And, and they're, uh, what's it called? <clears throat> Which is going to cost them a fortune. I mean, that's no small feat for this company. 8,000 stores is what it said for the United States. And I'm not saying that that's enough taking one day or, or that it's going to fix all the problems. But I'm saying it just looking at how corporate America does not ever ignore the bottom line, mm-hmm. for them to essentially ignore the bottom line and say, no, preventing this from occurring and letting our staff who has to go home and be like, oh, you work for Starbucks? I heard you guys are racist. And then have them be able to be like, Hey, no, there was an event at a store and it was bad, but our bosses ahead of us told us, you know, this is what happened and here's how we can fix it. Now, that being said, Starbucks is, you know, whatever, even if it's Seattle, it's corporate fuck. Like, I don't give a fuck about Starbucks. Honest, <laughs> honest to God, honest to God. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I know that to some people, their local Starbucks is like a community space and like it's really great. Mm-hmm. And I understand if you're a business traveler, you know, to find a company that you can basically get the same cup of coffee anywhere in America. It's got to be amazing to be able to do that instead of like just going to those diners and those gas stations and always getting that low grade cheap coffee mm-hmm. that, that Starbucks is an improvement on that. Um, but also, you know, one day off, like to, to also gain the, the prestige of the press release to say that you're taking a day off for racial bias in itself is almost like a congratulatory, like self pat. Like, it's a good PR move. I'm yeah. not. I'm not gonna deny it's not a good PR move. Yeah. Right. But it might actually do some worse too, because then you have think about it. Like they are people in the community, right? Yeah. And if you have like you know, oh, almost ten thousand employees all doing this, and people who interact with people every day, learning something new about themselves, and you know, people are if the people make a habit of going to there. You don't just go, hey, I want my coffee. You go, hey, how's it going? Right. How's your day? And there's going to be people that say, like, so I heard you had that training. What's up with it? Yeah. And they'll say their things. And then they might hang out with their friends and be like, oh, I heard you had that training. See what happens. So, like, as much as it's a good PR move, I also think that if you kind of work it a little, it's, it'll be good for society overall. So I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just funny when, when these things get this big. Like, the solution is almost too big to actually address the real problem, but you're right in the sense of the converse, the growing conversation. The growing conversation is positive, and hopefully, uh, maybe it'll even turn some people. There are those moments when, and and we started this in a lost podcast. We talked about implicit bias, and it mm-hmm. got weird. But uh, but like it's because it's a real, it's a it's a it's a personal close issue, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh. You know, as a comedian, I'll, I I put my foot in my mouth 80, 80 times out of ninety. Like it's just it's just I'm I'm looking for the barrier most of the time, and most of the time I run my way through it, and then mm-hmm. I have to step my way back. You know, and as someone that does that, I've definitely said racially charged things without meaning them in a intending way, and that in in the sense is an implicit bias on this on myself because I'm not looking at other people and their perspectives. I'm just going for the laugh as I think. Oh yeah, no, we all have implicit bias. Yeah, yeah, and that's and so it's a very personal topic, you know, when you start kind of addressing people and their individual personal biases and and and, and I think I think society can recognize it. I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about the homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's definite implicit bias on people's reaction to who they think is homeless. Oh yeah. And, you know, I and I I was talking to my coworker cuz we were talking about this and 
And I and I asked uh, I asked him. He happens to be black, and he was like, I was like, well, in your mind, because he's like in his sixties, and so I was like, so in your mind, like, because he seems like one of these guys who kind of like, ah, a lot of people make big deals out of everything. Life's hard for everybody. Like, fuck off, kind of person, you know? And so oh I was yeah, like, I know those people. So, so I was like, so in your mind, like, where do you see the implicit bias, or have you just lived through it so much that you're just kind of like it's just like water off your back? And he said, elevators with white women. Oh wow. That's what his his one answer was. He goes, I don't know if I could off the top of my head elevators with white women, and I, and I'm like I immediately understand. Mm-hmm. Like I immediately because he's put setting. What do you, you know? What does every story need? You know, setting, mm-hmm. place, and characters. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 here you are. It's confined now, and you have a sense of privacy, but then also a sense of lack of security because how private are you if the people around you you don't know and they're strange? And mm-hmm. they're, oh, they're different, you know. And, and it's the elevator, so and it's the elevator, yeah. And so you know, and I and I said that's interesting, you know, because then I and then I can't really apply any of my own perspective to that because I don't really get put, you know, being a male, being white, I don't really get put into that, that like people are too worried about me. Mm-hmm. You know, the closest I can think of is kind of the connection to the homeless. Like anytime mm-hmm. I look homelessy, if I'm wearing my kind of like ratty hoodie mm-hmm. and I'm like got my headphones in and I'm tired and I haven't shaved in a while, I've definitely, if I have the hood up and it's like midday, I get some looks from people that are like, what's this guy doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And I sense just that. I don't sense maybe that they're like, worried i'm going to steal their purse which right. is kind of the bias i think he was going for but but i'm worried like in a weird way i don't know why i feel like that's demeaning that they think i'm homeless i guess you know what i mean because no it, i can understand that in a sense like i'm not but like why does that matter ultimately you know because mm-hmm. i think there are dignified homeless people like i mean it's it's in group out group dynamics yeah like for the people in your in group you give like more credence to like you can see someone do the same thing like they're late and if they're in your in-group, they're like, oh, there must have been a problem. It's not their fault. But if they're in their out-group, you might go like, oh, why are they late? They're like, always they sleeping in. They're always doing this. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So there, there is that in-group, out-group bias. And I think that that is what's intrinsically there when it comes to the homeless. And, and then that is a form of the way that people get dehumanized. Because, you know, you think of them in the out-group, so you don't think of them as a part of you. And uh, so... If we can do more to say, hey, the homeless need to be seen and if we can do more to put homeless in houses and, you know, yeah. get them off the streets, that's what we need to do because ultimately that's what they need and that's how they will survive. So Right, right. Even if there are other ancillary issues going on, mental health, drug, you know, abuse, all those other kind of cycles that are often kind of pulled in and the when we talk about the homeless issue. Mm-hmm. Once you get somebody some form of shelter, some sense of reason, maybe even a job or, or, or a hint towards a skill, you know, you will start to see those other problems kind of fall away to an extent and you maybe you can start addressing them more directly. Mm-hmm. But I do think mental health is exaggerated. Drug abuse is exaggerated when you're also just trying to find a place to sleep. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, now that everyone's stoked about life, (laughs) (laughs) is there any particular bill we can look at in our American segment that we like to call Bill Watch? Bill Watch. 
So this is a bill that became law, and I kind of wish we talked about it. I don't know. I didn't see anything about it until it, it kind of just, like, shot out there. And it's the Allow the States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking, Trafficking Act of uh, 2017. And basically what this bill did is it shut down a lot of, like, online sites where, like, escorts and sex workers would actually go get business from. So it is very interesting how that is affecting, you know, a part of the economy that was always like under the books and not sort of, you know, something that should be seen. But kind of one of those things where we're kind of like we're, we don't really think of it as too socially taboo. So why is it still legally taboo? Right. And I think a lot of people would say, like, because it's sex work and it's undignified and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, sex workers are workers, too. So. I just, like, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't talk about it, but not that I know about it. So what we can do to, like, repeal it or... The biggest headline out of this is, I do think, is the fall of Backpage.com, I think, came out of this. So, essentially, Backpage.com was found to be uh aiding and abetting the the illicit sex trade oh uh by by just kind of like retitling different ads so that they didn't fall under the categories that their filters were supposed to remove oh, okay uh uh up, updating updating descriptions so they didn't include uh descriptions of possibly minors things like that mm-hmm. so so it got it got kind of directed directly at them and and they were a shady organization, and I do think that side of sex work needs to be looked at because it's it's slave labor, it's forced it's forced work, you know. So I mean, if there was you know slave Amazon, and yeah, they're selling mm-hmm. books online, and it's one of the cheapest retailers ever, and we found out that it was slave labor, we would want that stopped, you know. So it's essentially kind of my stance on sex workers is, if the person conducting it is conducting it under their own free will, and they're mm-hmm. they're happy doing it, and it's associated with what they kind of want to be a part of, then that's different in my mind than a girl who's been taken from eight states away and been drugged and held. Oh, of course. And now is participating in this online trading environment. That needs to be stopped immediately. You know, and, and I don't even think, you know, it, it's it's a bigger deal because it goes along with other problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Drug trade, uh, you know, violence. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these, a lot of these sex workers end up dead at very young ages, and and there's very little evidence a lot of times. Um, you know, uh, they conduct different tests on them, and the test may only be the last person that was with them, and not even the assailant or whatnot. And and then and then we found in our own city of Seattle here, mm-hmm. even here on the north side of Seattle specifically, oh, that that Backpage.com had a presence. And and there was a series of people operating out of RVs. There was a series of people operating just off Aurora Avenue over here. Mm. Um, there was different hotels that were on the take, or at least were kind of turning a blind eye. And then there was a series of like, uh, like people that were like homeowners and apartments and stuff that like literally neighbors were like, I had no idea, you know. And so. It's happening everywhere, and it's not even happening in a way that you can point at it and be like, that's what's happening. Okay. You know, it's happening so covertly at this point that um, guys are guys were operating ads on there 
from like Seattle and everything and getting enough manipulation across the country that girls were flying here on their own like ambition to be a wow. part of like fake movies, fake uh television sets, uh you know, model auditions. Damn. Yeah, all kinds so so it got to the point, and sometimes, yeah, they'd send you a, a ticket, a plane ticket, and people would, would take that opportunity. And th- and so I think this act kind of really focused on that, and that actually just happened like a few weeks ago officially. The site was finally mm-hmm. removed. Um, but, yeah, I think obviously as we're going forward, we need to kind of take a broader look at sex workers. Um, you know, we need to criminalize the criminals and not the act of sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think if we if we can start to kind of find the vocabulary that will do that and we'll start to kind of like be able to mince words with it instead of just calling it these kind of buzzwords that they that they throw around, you know, like prostitute and things that you just mm-hmm. in your mind, the connotation is already, you know, negative. It's already a criminal act. Even uh, that's what they call it. They call it prostitution. That's what they're getting arrested for. You know, and so, um, you know, we have to kind of find the 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 description. And I think given, you know, the identity culture revolution that's going on, given the marijuana kind of evolution from being a drug that got many, many, many people put in jail to the point now where many, many people are using freely as well as people are getting released from jail. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can find kind of a common ground with the sex workers and we can find a way to kind of revolutionize police tactics, you know, to be the community servants that we want. You know, they need to be finding and hunting down these operations that are doing these clandestine slave trading methods and maybe look a blind eye or not have the jurisdiction to just bust uh every Jane and John who are, are in conducting in some type of trade, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, there was, you know, there's, it's really funny because uh, the difference between porn and prostitution is a camera. No. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like, like hundred percent. Oh no, no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, two people conducting sex and someone's getting paid and in one there's film and in the other is not. And one's a crime and one's a major industry. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a thin line and it's it's a thin line that people aren't willing to talk about because I don't know if it's just the nature of kind of what's going on now. People taboo subjects are becoming dif- more difficult in this kind of PC era to, to get at because everyone's so kind of kids gloves about everything that we're not even talking about the actual hard subjects we do need to talk about like this. Um, we're so worried about offending people. That we're like, I don't want to talk to somebody that may not be into sex work about the positivities of sex work, so we're just not going to talk about it. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and and before it wasn't being talked about because you assumed you knew what the other person thought, which is they were against it, because that was kind of the common thought. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in an awakening for sex workers. I mean, coming from Portland, I definitely witnessed it with strippers going from something of like this kind of seedy sailor thing, like, Hey, mm-hmm. you're coming from the port and you just get yourself some strippers and you go back to the hotel and you dream about your lady at home. Okay. <laughs> you know, but like, it's really not like you, you, you had nine to five fans of strippers. They would like, you know, get off work at five, go have a couple pints, give money to their favorite dancer, go mm-hmm. home, maybe to their wife and kids. Maybe they're single. Maybe there's not, maybe they're in a monogamous relationship. Maybe they're gay. Maybe they're straight. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, but, 
but it, it got kind of normalized in a way. And I, f- I felt an empowerment also from the other side where the strippers stopped being like, hey, I'm dancing for you, whatever, to like really owning their shifts, wanting to be a part of the movement mm. um, and glamorizing the kind of art of it and the artistry of it. And kind of that's why you saw pole tricks get more complicated. Oh, okay. The, the fitness of strippers got like kind of added to the game and their notoriety went up, you know. And and I know that's just one kind of element, and I don't want to be like the stripper promoter of podcasts, but uh, <laughs> I would venture everyone who thinks they know something about strip clubs to go to three different strip clubs in the city of Portland. I would say three because there's any one you could go to and you could come up with a decision where you had a bad night or is a bad night there. And mm-hmm. you're like, I hate strip clubs. So you got to go to three. Pick three. They can be in different parts of town. And uh, by the end of one of those visits you'll be convinced that it could be a thing that was normalized in every city in America. But it's not because religion in certain places. Yep, religion's a big one. Because laws in most places. Well, yeah, that well, that's why we hire, or not hire, we vote in legislators that will change the laws in our favor. And, and public sentiment and kind of publications, essentially. And that's why we exist, to shift the Overton window to Boom. the weird shit. Boom. <laughs> Wait till we go video, bitches. <laughs> strippers in our background. We're not even going to mention them. We won't, we'll be like, wait, there's stripper. Oh, my God, De- Destiny. I had no idea you were back there. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I had no idea. Shout out to Destiny on the ones and twos. She has two poles. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, give it. So, that was, uh, what was the official bill number on that? Bill watch. Uh, For that one, that is HR 1865. Okay. So, and and that actually, are we sure that went through? It passed the House? Did it pass the Senate? So, it's not a law. No, it's a law. Oh, That's wow. the whole reason why Backpage went down is because this oh, specific bill law. went into law. Okay. So, well, but hey. now that you told me about all those things that they were doing that was shady, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, that's cool. You know, and I, I guess that, I mean, yeah, we might have missed the, uh, the the talking about it on the come up, which is very common with uh, legal matters. You often don't hear about them to the final yard, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, that's that, that's kind of in a sense why we have that segment is we're like, hey, we're gonna spotlight a few bills. Ultimately, we're like, we're not gonna be able to tell you about the whole ocean. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's kind of like I've been listening to this uh, the podcast Joe Rogan Experience, and he had a guy on who's gonna clean up the oceans. He's trying to clean up the garbage patch. Mm-hmm. He's a 23 year old inventor from Holland. Oh, okay. And his project's been publicized for the last four years. Oh, I think I know this person. He did a TED Talk. A bunch of people love him. A bunch of people hate him. <laughs> just like anything on the internet. And uh, and he's about to launch it in about three months. And even him, forward thinker, positive inventor, best case scenario, 20-year plan. Damn. It's a 20-year plan. And so I'm like, everyone, even anyone who's his own critic is like, he's not, oh, look at what he says he's going to do. He's not saying I'm going to clean the ocean in a year, two years, three years, five years. He says if we implement these techniques over the course of 20 years, mm-hmm. we can take out maybe maximum in his goal, 90%. 90% in 20 years. And that's using his techniques and their methods over a prolonged period of time, maybe mm-hmm. increasing them as time goes on, and then also applying the methods we're already applying, 
which is everything that any critic of his talks about, is until you stop the flow of plastics to the ocean, it doesn't matter how much you pick up. Well, fucking duh. So, so yeah, the other part of the puzzle is we as the consumers need to be better about what we choose to consume. Mm-hmm. Use reusables when we can. Use com- compostables when we can. Mm-hmm. Don't be fooled by something that's plastic made from corn but isn't decomposable. It could just be a corn sugar, which is then basically eventually the same thing as petroleum when they produce it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't break down. Now, if you get a corn plastic that's made to be diode biodegradable it might eventually go in the earth in a shorter span like three years four years whatever Mm -hmm. but uh you know those aren't going to have the same uh kind of strength of product of the plastic we know so (coughs) until we recognize these differences in our plastics the companies are going to continue to try and trick us i mean it's the same thing as fat-free milk light milk two percent milk you know it's all super fatty they're just trying to, like, distinguish how they say it to you so you'll drink it and then think you're being better and more conscious. But, like, fat-free milk, P.S., has fat in it. Light milk, P.S., has a considerable amount of fat in it. Well, yes. There's uh, just different levels of it. Bioplastic doesn't mean it's going to biodegrade. Mm-hmm. It's just made from plant or biomaterial. So, you know, it's these these kind of trick methods that the corporations try to keep their stranglehold on their profit lines, which need plastic. So we have to mm-hmm. we have to keep making them be a little more humane and a little less bottom line capitalist as often as we can. So mm-hmm. that's my piece on plastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, folks. I uh, as a as a little divergence for fun. Uh, we started it off this podcast, and I don't even know where I was gonna go with it in the beginning. But now I want to talk about theme songs, cause holy shit, did we find out that the '80s were full of like amazing theme songs? And uh, and and if any of a fan of the show will know, uh, <clears throat> drop a dime. Him and I will sing the uh, theme song to Growing Pains. At any point. Wait, what? Oh, I think Show so. Show me that smile again. Show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. No matter till the end. The best is ready to begin. Ooh. <laughs> as long as we got... Okay. So so we love theme songs. Yes. And, th- and that being said, I found out the 80s are a treasure... Treasure? A Trevor <laughs> Treasure trove. A treasure trove. <laughs> it's a Trevor trove. Oh, my goodness. Yo, shout out to... Trevor, <laughs> uh, of of good of good theme songs. I mean, uh, you can't even you can't even find a, a place to start because it's uh, it's 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 too wealthy uh, with them. Um, but uh, I think I think one of my favorite is obviously the Night Rider soundtrack, which uh, ha- starts off very subtly with dun 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 dun. Here we go. And we all remember that. And then you've got Magnum PI, which we totally forgot about. A team. 
1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade. Fast forward, A-Team. Oh, this was at jam. Miami Vice? Boom. Oh, wait, hold on. It's trying to play an ad for us. We're not uh, we're not using the free internet service owned by Google. That'd be crazy. But no, the uh, the, the 80s were just a, a complete treasure trove. Uh, Trevor, you're out. Here's Miami Vice. Oh, shit. And it gets better towards the middle, too. Yeah. But no, we just had, we had like too many. And then what we just did, Growing Pains, uh, you have Doogie Howser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had that. You had Full House. Whatever happened to Predictability? Newsman, the TV. You had, yeah, you had, what was Family Matters? I feel like they had a hot theme song. Oh, it was like, yeah, whatever happened to predictability? No, th- you know, that was, no, no, that no. was, that was, uh... God damn it, no, I lose my black card. Nope, you gotta cut that. Now there's, now there's Airwolf, <laughs> now there's Airwolf. Airwolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I can. Oh, yeah. It's a rare condition in this day and age. Do we have any good news on the newspaper page? <laughs> the grand but the grand where have we gone from that? Now it's just like scene, 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 <laughs> flashy music, lasering <laughs> with a flash. Right? And then it's like sitting scene. <laughs> and it's all of them, too. Like, I mean, the closest thing we have is the people that uh, gave us this lovely clip of that has any memorable oh, theme shit. song that like goes into uh into today i mean let's go ahead and we got to do one of those <laughs> yeah which reminds me of the Night Court theme song. Oh, gosh. Oh. Which, rest in peace, Harry Anderson. Exactly. Oh, that's glad that... See, we've come full circle. We have, I've come from the happy part of the show to the uh, the sad part, because it's... Uh, but R.I.P. him, unlike unlike Hitler, who's a, who's a D.R.I.P. <laughs> Don't rest in peace. <laughs> All right, for Harry Anderson, we'll hear... A little solid 15, 20 seconds of this. Rest in peace, buddy. A lot of sax in those intro. Yeah, I've been sleeping on these for real. Right? Because, <laughs> I mean, is it just me or 80s theme songs popping? Like, they, they hitting. Like, I could I'm s- about to add them to my rotation. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, me too, man. All Most of them come in under two minutes, too. Okay. So you're not oh, going to be, like, shit. wasting your time. Uh, but, yeah, just a little light moment, guys. If you're ever, If you're ever just kind of feeling down in the 2018 world, we're living in idiocracy. We're about to re-vote in a moron into the White House, probably. 
uh, just listen to some 80s theme songs. Mm-hmm. Rem- remember a simpler time. And uh, and maybe, you know, maybe things will uh, will start to, to feel better. Wrong. All right. Well, <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't believe me, but I believe it. Well, that brings us to the time of the show where I asked Chaz, what's, what are some final words and thoughts you have for people that can help them in the world go about their day in places where they're living? Uh, if I haven't already told you about, um, let me see. Oh, always check out that uh, media literacy on uh, Crash Course on YouTube. That has been uh, really good. Uh, they'll go. They have like a few more episodes now. A few since we, I think we last did this a few weeks ago. So check that out. Also, as a refresher, uh, there's a really good course on Crash Course about like the American democracy and how it works. Just like it's like a good if you just forget about like the nuance of it all. Just like hit it, you know, watch it again. So we're all on the same page of like how exactly do you get shit done in all this? Yeah. And as always, you know, uh, look up who your representatives are, especially after these special elections. Find oh, out. yeah, May's coming up, and that means some uh, those primaries are coming up. You know, register to vote. Uh, get your get your family registered to vote. Get your mother, your brother, your sister. We're getting everyone voted in here. Uh, yep. Shout out to that old school uh, viral clip. Uh, as always, you can get at me at Seatown Mayor on the Twitter. That's S E A T O W N M A Y O R. Your helpful guy for your municipality by the sea. Uh, Chaz, where you at on the sphere of twits? I am at C R S at C R S I I and also hashtag Bill Watch for any bills that you want me to look out for and also also hashtag D D I P for someone who don't rest in peace. Don't rest up D R I P D R I P. Don't rest in peace. Bill Bill Watch. Hitler, y'all can D R I P. Wrong. Hey. Whoa. We knew you thought that. Finally. Wow. That's H Y L exclusive. Live in effect, guys. Uh, as always, you can get at us for free on the Gmail at hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com. Send us your comments, suggestions, tweet at us in the spheres. Listen to the show. Get your friends to listen to the show. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe if you can. And uh, help your fellow man and ladies and children around you uh, in your community and your neighborhood. Uh, those closest to you are the ones you're going to need when it's time. So uh, get to know them. Help them out. Share share some love. Throw a barbecue. You know? Mm-hmm. Play this episode for them. No, don't. No, I want <laughs> you to keep them around. This is a very special thing between you and us. <laughs> so keep it to yourself. But also do throw the, uh, the barbecue and uh, invite us. Uh, we like everything. You know, spicy, it's good. <laughs> Extra sticky barbecue sauce, I'm cool with it. I can lick my fingers in public, I'm not even ashamed. So, uh, <laughs> I hope that should be isolated. I should just have that be an isolated thing that I say. That uh, Here, I'll get a cleaner one. Um, I will lick my fingers in public, I have no shame. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys, this has been a free podcast. Chaz, this has been a blast. It's been a blast. I'll catch you in a bit, Mikkel. Uh, I will as well, um, because I'm feeling like not fast-forwarding. We're going to stick with Drake on the way out. Guys, be nice to your neighbors. Peace. We out. Peace.